Hi, I'm Sam Chan, and you're listening to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It's my desire to help others succeed. I'm here to help you and your organization grow, grow to the next level. Thank you for joining me on this leadership journey. Let's get started. One of the challenges that uh, as I travel all over the world and I consult with uh, large and small organizations is how much of their attention is paid on the past and the present and how little attention is paid about the future. So uh, think about your last staff meeting. You were in that staff meeting. You were either fixing yesterday's problems or you're talking today what you need to be doing to achieve your goals. But when was the last time you had a staff meeting and you sat down with, uh, with those on your team and you said to them, hey, uh, our context is changing, our world is changing, things around us are shifting very quickly. As we look at demographics, they are shifting, our, our financial systems are shifting, our millennial and our other age groups are shifting. How should we organize ourselves a few years down the road? That never happens. You know why it doesn't happen? Because most organizations, A, don't see the need for it. B, if they do see the need for it, they are not in a position time-wise or margin-wise to be able to have the luxury, that's what they call it, the luxury of being able to work through the components as to what to do with the future. What I want to do in this segment is to prepare you for how to think about the future and then more pragmatically some things you need to be thinking about the future. So hang in there with me. It's going to be an amazing time together. Today, I want to talk to you about 10. 10 traits of futuring leaders. If you want to be a futuring leader, you want to be a visionary leader, here are the 10 traits that you got to know. One thing you got to understand, opportunities come to those who are prepared. Yeah, write that down. Opportunities come to them who are prepared. Because those who are not prepared, opportunities will just pass you by because you have no margin you have no resources, you are not thinking about that, and it'll soon be over. The second thing to explain the same thing is, God gives every bird its worm, but he does not drop the worm into their nest. The Yahweh said, God gives every bird its nest, its worm, but he does not drop the worm into its nest. So what do you have to do? You have to go looking for the worm. So what are the 10 traits? Let me give you one at a time, all 10 of them. Number one is change readiness. Change readiness. How you are ready for change. Three things under that. Number one, embrace change. If you're going to be a future leader, you have to embrace change. By what, what do I mean by that? You accept and adapt to change. You accept and adapt to change. Many leaders that I work with are fighting change. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to lose every time. Now, we're not talking about if you are in a church world changing the message. I am talking about changing the methods to the context in which you are serving right now. 
Changes are happening all around us. Changes in our lifestyles, changes in how we dress, changes in how we spend our money, changes nobody carries cash, everything is credit, uh, changes in uh, how we communicate, changes in, for example, how I'm coming to you. There was a time you could only do what I'm doing in person, but there's a change. So what you do is you embrace change. By that I mean you uh, accept change, number one, and number two, you adapt to the change. And people who really are successful get ahead of the curve anticipate the change and are ready for the change when it comes around them. Embrace change. Number two is promote change. So if you're a futuring leader, is when I talk about change readiness, you also promote change. How do you promote change? You promote change in your attitudes, you promote change in your words, and you promote change through your actions. So as a leader, you don't resist change, you don't fight change. You don't become the yes, but person in a room. You become the person who is always saying, how can my attitude be more change friendly? How can I also show it through my words? Yes, we can do this. That's a great idea. Let's think about that. And more than that, how do you show it in your actions. Number three under that is lead change. Not only do you embrace change, promote change, but you lead change. Get in front of it and lead change. Don't be dragging behind. Don't be trying to tell everybody how it can be done, but don't do it yourself. Don't be having sidebars saying, well, you know, I'm really not for it, but this is what we've got to do. I'm here to encourage you to have change readiness. And under that, we have talked about three things. Number one is embrace change, promote change, and lead change. You ought to have the, the sentence that everybody in your organization says, we can do that. We can do that. Yes, we can do that. Mm -hmm. We can do that as well. We can do that. When you have a can-do attitude, things will be much easier. Number two, adaptability. Number one was change readiness. Number two is adaptability. Changing circumstances and adapting to them. Number one under that, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. So when the unexpected happens, don't go into a conniption. Don't have a hyperventilating session. Don't try to fight it. Don't try to argue with it. When the unexpected happen, embrace it and expect the unexpected. Number two, go with the flow. Because what does go with the flow mean? There's momentum. And when there's momentum, momentum can be your best friend or your worst enemy. So when you have momentum, you go with the flow and redirect to stay the course. Redirect to stay the course. So that means you know that you are going forward. Don't lose the former momentum. But whatever you need to do to redirect, to keep going that direction, make that tweak, make that change, make that adjustment, make whatever needs to happen, but redirect and keep the flow. Number three is sensitivity to all members, sensitivity to all members. Let me just get you started thinking about sensitivity. 
How about cultural sensitivity? Embracing and celebrating the differences among us. So when I say cultural, I'm not talking about Indian, American, Filipino, Aussie, New Zealand, New Zealander, South African, Nigerian. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about everybody's got a culture. Everybody comes, every church has a culture, every company has a culture, every restaurant has a culture, every airport's got a culture, and you have a culture. So that means everybody is different culture when we bring ourselves to the table. So celebrate it, embrace it. Gender sensitivity. Uh, don't be a macho person and don't be a misogynist and don't be a man hater. Just understand that God has put all of us on this planet. We all have our roles. We all do well. My wife is a great teacher, great academician, and she does what she does. I do what I do. There's no competition between us. She's not trying to do my stuff. I'm not trying to do her stuff. Not because I'm male, she's female. It is just God has wired us in different ways and we do what we do in different. Just be sensitive to that and don't get hung up on that. Not long ago, I was at a book signing. I was, you know, signing books for, for people who at a conference I was speaking at. And this lady came up to me and uh, she was a pastor of a church, a lady pastor of a church. And she came up to me and she said, Dr. Sam, and she was in tears almost. She says, uh, help me. Uh, as what advice would you give me as a lady pastor? So I said to her, I have advice for you, but I don't think you can do that. I don't know if you can do that. She said, no, give it to me. I said, if you can forget that you are a woman pastor and just remind yourself, I'm a pastor. Don't say to yourself, I'm a woman leader. I am a leader. Oh, her eyes welled up in tears. Big tears start coming down her cheeks. She said, you have no idea what you just said to me. I probably don't. But it made sense for her. So don't lead with your gender. Just lead. If you're a lady, everybody knows you're a lady. You don't have to get up there and say, but you know, God called me. If you're a man, be yourself. Because that is how Futuring leaders lead. The third thing I want to say under that is generational sensitivity. Generational sensitivity. Because right now in your church, there are six generations. Six generations sitting in front of you. Six generations. That's a lot of generations. So don't get hung up on reaching one. Reach all of them. So right now, for example, there's a lot of talk about millennials. And I understand that. I'm all over it. Uh, I have no problem with that. But did you know in the United States of America, every day, every day, 10,000 people turn 65? Did you know that? Did you know of all the people who have ever lived on this planet, more people over the age of 65 are alive today than ever before? Just think about that for a minute. So you got to think broad. You got to think cross-generationally because that's what futuring leaders do. Number four, communication. Communication. You got to communicate across generations, across cultures, and across the globe. Let me unpack all three of them. Across generations. How you speak to one generation is different from another generation. Uh, for example, the way I was raised... I'm in my mid-60s right now. The way I was raised, if I talked, if I said to my parents, why? That would have been considered disrespect. 
Now, when a young adult asks why, when a teenager asks why, it's not a disrespect, it's a question. So instead of giving an attitude, we just give an answer. Simply because we are communicating cross-generationally. There are some words that get in the way. There are some uh, mannerisms that get in the way. There are some illustrations that get in the way. So we communicate cross-generationally. We communicate cross-culturally. Uh, and we are sensitive to what might be uh, acceptable in one culture, may not be acceptable in another culture. Uh, many of the uh, people enrolled like you in the Sam Chen Leadership Institute are from all over the world. And every place has its own idiosyncrasies. What is acceptable, what is not acceptable, what people like to do, what don't like to do, what uh, makes uh, an obscene, what a gesture in one country could be a perfectly good gesture, the same gesture, and I'm not making them on purpose, the same gesture in another country can be an obscene gesture. A word in one country could be just normal part of the speech. In another country, it's considered an abusive, cursed language word that nobody needs to use. So, so there, there are those cultural communication things that get in the way. I'm from India. When I came to America in 1973, I had to learn those cultural nuances so I could communicate without offending and I could communicate without letting anybody think like I don't know because I'm in the middle of cross-cultural communication. And finally under that is a communication across the globe. So right now I'm talking across the globe. I know we have people who are watching me in South Africa, in Philippines, in New Zealand, in South Africa, in Nigeria, in Canada, in Brazil, in America, people from everywhere. So, so when I'm communicating, I've got to be careful that my illustrations, that my gestures, that the way I present the material, even my content uh, is global in its impact. I cannot say, well, you know, they will figure it out. No, the purpose of this institute is so you don't have to figure it out, but you can think about what I am suggesting to you. Number five, the fifth trait of futuring leader is technophilia and technophobia. Technophilia, adapt to emerging technology. So there are three kinds of technology. There's information technology, there's industrial technology and there's business technology. Information technology, industrial technology, and business technology. Let me talk about all three of them to you. Technophilia. Right now, I'm coming to you through technology. You're watching me through technology. Some of you are watching me on your phone. Some of you are watching me on your iPad. Some of you are watching me on your PC, on your Mac, on your laptop. You, some of you have got me hooked into your big screen. Whatever, wherever you are watching me, you've got to know that you had to adapt to technology. Uh, a lot of my consultation is done now on FaceTime, on Zoom, on Skype, on the phone. Uh, it's done in so many different ways. So you got to be able to embrace that technology. So there's information technology because information is power. So how do you share information? What I'm doing right now is sharing what I call content with you. But the number two is industrial technology. Every industry has its own technology on the inside. So if you want to be a social media specialist, what is the information you need on the inside of that? If you're going to be a preacher, 
what that is an industry what do you need to know about that industry if you want if you want to be a banker what is that industry uh, technology that so every industry has a built in technology what is technology technology is the technical components that make delivery easy that's what technology is it takes what you're doing transmits it through a medium to another place that it needs to be at it's a delivery system and then there is business technology. Business technology says to us how you do business will create the technology components behind that. For example, for example, imagine for a moment that you are a great baker. You can bake stuff. You can bake pastries. You can bake pies. You can bake puffs. You do a lot of baking. You know, just just you are an amazing baker. And someone says to you, hey, you need to open a shop. If you opened a bakery, people will line up to buy your stuff. And you say, you know something? I'm baking for people all the time. Why don't I open a shop and then do that? Oh, but what you did not count on is the cash register. What didn't count on was the credit card swiping. What did not count on was the commercial ovens. And what you did not count on was all the regulations that the, the business, the technology that goes along with the business, with the cameras and with security and, and all that goes with that. So a lot of people go into business, can't make it in business because they under, didn't understand the business of the business. And much of what what you do and I do is based on embracing technology. You got information about this via email, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, there's a private Facebook just for uh, Samsung leadership. So there's all kinds of dialogue going on if you want to get us a message. So, so all that is on Facebook technology based. We just can say to you, hey, just call us because nobody calls anybody anymore. It's a way to communicate. You got to know the business of the technology that you are in. Number six, healthy lifestyles. Balance, behavior, biotechnology. Balance, behavior, biotechnology. So I want to say two things about balance. Everybody strives for balance, but there is no such thing as balance. I want to say that again. Because you have read books You've heard speakers say you need to have balance in your life. I'm here to tell you there's no such thing as balance. Life comes in spurts. There'll be times you'll have a lot of family time because you made room for that and you were able to do that. There'll be times it'll be work, work, work. There'll be times you'll be at home. There'll be times you'll be traveling. There'll be a times that you'll have plenty of financial resources and you'll be able to take a family holiday vacation. There'll be times your resources will be limited and you will have to do a staycation rather than a vacation. Life comes in spurts. So today you could be doing a lot of this. Tomorrow you might be doing less of this and more of that. And so you just got to free yourself to know that this, I, I want to live a life of balance. I'm not going to get out of kilter. But most of all, I'm not going to be under a guilt trip because today I had to do more of this and less of that. It's not like life can be allocated into nice pie. So if you can think of a pizza, life is not like slices of the, of the pizza. It's not that simple. 
And then you have to think about your behavior because we are talking about healthy lifestyles, handling stress. How do you minimize stress? How do you uh, make sure that you are not contributing to your own stress? For example, I travel a lot. I travel, uh, I, I'm in airports all the time. So I have some friends who brag about how they got to the, to the flight just as it was about to close the door. I don't do that. That's a stress factor I don't have to have. I like to get there early. I'd much rather wait at the gate than be rushing through some kind of line, some kind of traffic, some kind of security, just trying to get to the plane. Why do I want to hyperventilate and create uh, high blood pressure issues and stress issues? Because your behavior can keep you living healthy. And then biotechnology. Biotechnology uh, allows us to live longer. Biotechnology uh, allows us to do things in shorter periods of time. Uh, so I like to get some cardiovascular uh, exercise going in the, mo in the morning, some cardio, you know, get my heart going in the morning. So I used to walk a lot, which is still good. But walking can take up to an hour of your time. But then now I have a rowing machine. I'm just making a point. If you don't like rowing machines, don't fall over the stairwell with me on this one. Now I have a rowing machine, which is much more effective. I can get on it and I can do the sprints and I can do the bursts that I need to do in a shorter period of time and still get the higher effect from my heart. Do you see what I'm talking about? So biotechnology. Now, now you may say, well, there's nothing real technology about, about the rowing machine. That's the, not the point. The point is there are instruments now that allow us to do things in a shorter period of time with greater efficiency. I'm talking about future thinking. That was number six. Number seven, lifelong learning. Lifelong learning. Three things under that. Knowledge is power. Number two, information is currency. Number three, innovation is success. Number one, knowledge is power. Number two, information is currency. Number three, innovation is success. Let's talk about knowledge is power. You know, it takes a lot of things to prove that you are smart. A lot of things to prove that you are smart. But only one thing to prove that you're ignorant. Don Harold said that. It's not, not original with me. So this is what Don said. Don Harold. It takes a lot of things to prove that you are smart. But only one thing to prove that you are <laughs> ignorant. It's because knowledge is power. It's truer today than ever before. So read widely. Don't be tunnel visioned. Don't just be watching one thing. Don't just be reading one thing. Because knowledge, have, have, have a general knowledge so that you can have an intelligent conversation on any given subject with anybody. And even if you don't know much about it, at least know enough to ask legit intelligent questions about it. Number two is information is currency. We are living in information sharing age, information sharing age. Every day across your email, all kinds of blogs are coming through. All kinds of links are coming through. Information is coming at you uh, at nonstop 24 seven. There's no excuse for you to not be informed because information is currency and innovation is success. 
It is not just innovation, but the speed and quality of the innovation. So in what is innovation? Innovation is simply thinking, futuring. Thinking, futuring. If you're thinking, futuring, innovation becomes a byproduct of that. But it is also the speed and the quality. I want to read to you a quote that I wrote down in my notes for you. In times of change, I'm going to say this twice. In times of change, it is the learners who will inherit the earth while the learned will find themselves beautifully equipped for a world that no longer exists. I want to say it for you again. In times of change, it is the learners who will inherit the earth while the learned will find themselves beautifully equipped for a world that no longer exists. That's what I mean by lifelong learning. May I just have a brief personal moment with you? You know what's exciting me most about you being part of the Sam Chan Leadership Institute? is because your signing up tells me you, my friend, are a lifelong learner. You have made a decision in your life. I will keep on learning. Many of your friends, you've told them about the Samson Leadership Institute, but for whatever reason, they're not willing to invest in it. But you have made a choice. And for that, I congratulate you. Let me give you three more. Creativity. Creativity. Visioning. It's the leader's responsibility. So there is strategic thinking, there is genius thinking, and there's oblique thinking. Let's talk about them. Strategic thinking. Strategic thinking is when you're thinking about the what and the why. Now, there are other components of strategic thinking as well, but I want to focus on those. you got to know the what and the why. What are you going to do it and why are you going to do it? If you get those two things right, the rest of it, who, when, where, how, how much, all those things are important questions, but don't lead with that. Strategic questions are what and why. Genius thinking is looking for solutions in the middle of challenges. Genius thinking is looking to the future. Let me give you, let me give you a genius thinking question. If in your church, if in your business, you could write a headline for your company, for your church three years from now. What do you want that headline to be? It's going to be a positive headline in the newspaper. Everybody's going to read it. And you can write the headline now for three years from now as to what you want the headline to be. What will that headline be? Once you write out that headline of a newspaper, five words or less, headline five words or less, then you have to ask yourself, for that to be true, what do I need to start doing before that, then before that, then before that, then before that, then before that, to today? Because that headline can be true if you are a futuring leader. The headline can be true if you work back from it. I call that my backward plan. Write the headline, 
work back from there. And oblique thinking. Oblique thinking is not vertical. It's not horizontal. It's in the middle. It's not either. It's not or. It is both and. It is not trying to make choices. It is saying, how can we accommodate what we need to do and get both the parties? How can we synergize? Number nine and number 10. Number nine is timing. 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 This is what I like for you to write down. Past is prologue. Present is action. And future is the result. Past is prologue. Present is action. And future is the result. Par. P-A-R. Prologue. Action. Result. Very quickly. Prologue. To the future, we cannot improve the past no matter how hard we try. No matter how hard you try, there's nowhere for you to go back. It's just a prologue. It is just leading up to this. It's just a prelude. You cannot go and fix the past. But the present is action. Because the past is gone, the future is still ahead. What you do today is going to affect your future. And therefore, the future is the result. Let me read to you my notes. We can't relive the past. We can't accurately predict the future, but we can and do create the future by our actions in the present. You're, you are creating your future now. I want to read that for you again. We can't relive the past. We can't accurately predict the future, but we can and do create the future by our actions in the present, this is a sentence I want you to get. You are creating your future now. And finally, number 10 is futuring. Forecasting trends, envisioning scenarios, and creating the desired future. And I'll give you something to just... Meditate on me, even talk about. If you are going to be watching me in a group, this will be a great group exercise. Imagine your child, your son, your daughter, your niece, your nephew, a friend's child is going, going into first grade. In some part of the country, we call it first class. They're going to enter school in the first grade. And they're going to finish their high school or intermediate or whatever exam in your country is called when they go uh, get out of school before they go to the college or university. Whatever that exam is going to be. 16 to 18 years down the road. If they're going to go into first class. What will their world look like? 12 to 14 years from now. Will they have textbooks? Will they go to school? Will they have teachers? Will they have classes? Will they have exams? What will be their style of teaching? What will be their style of learning? What will they be trained for? Because there are many things that we were trained for that that industry doesn't even exist anymore. What will the future look like? Leaders, are you ready to take the next step in your leadership development journey? The Sam Chan Leadership Institute is designed for you. This 12-month program, led by leadership expert Dr. Sam Chan, will equip you to more fully step into your calling. 
Each month, you'll explore a different topic, receive three on-demand training sessions, take advantage of a Q&A session, and have the opportunity to speak with Dr. Chan live. Whether you lead a business, a ministry, or any other organization, this program is filled with world-class content to encourage and push you to become your best. Podcast listeners can get their first module of SCLI absolutely free. For more information, visit samchanleadership.com.